and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Jason Hewlett is a Hall of Fame speaker and entertainer. He is the only speaker in the world teaching leadership skills, tools, and mindsets in such a powerfully unconventional way, having delivered thousands of presentations over two decades. Jason delivers out-of-the-box performances of uncanny musical and comedy impressions of incredible stage legends. Jason's keynote, The Promise, is a speech that feels like a show, entertainment that feels like enlightenment, and music that feels like a difference maker. Audiences leave with proven processes and implementable takeaways to transform their business and leadership skills and invite a whole lot more joy into life. Jason is the author of the Facebook post entitled, I Saw My Wife at Target Today, (laughs) which has been seen by more than 100 million people. A recent and one of the youngest inductees in the prestigious Speaker Hall of Fame, his talks inspire leadership from a perspective of a promise. He is also the author of the book, The Promise to the One, which has a 4.8 star rating on Amazon. Jason is a dear friend, one of my favorite humans, and it is an absolute honor to welcome him to Boundless Body Radio. Jason, welcome to the show. Here we are. Welcome to the show and welcome to the Boundless Body Beats Laboratory. Yeah, baby. It is Beats with a Z, by the way. Um, Pretty glamorous. What do you think? I love it, man. I'm so impressed. What a deal. It's not bad. So we recorded our first albums here. Um, You know, the book that we published, we published here, all the shows here. We just fly people in and they come and hang out uh, in our our sound lab. Pretty nice. (laughs) It's perfect. I love that I get to hang out with you in the studio. (laughs) The studio is the second bedroom on the carpet, sitting on the ground, six feet away from each other. It's uh, not exactly the most ideal. Oh, but it's what, what's so wonderful is that technology is available that makes it so we can do a show like this, you know, just what a cool thing. It doesn't matter when or where, just that the content is engaging and interesting to the listener. And I love your show. I mean, you've had so many cool guests, man. (laughs) Including yourself. You know, this show wouldn't have happened without you. And I do mean, when we said in the intro that you're a dear friend, you're somebody that I've gone to. for a lot of different things. You've given me great advice. We've talked life in the ups and downs and all the things that we have both gone through. And, you know, early on in the pandemic, um, we decided we wanted to try to do a podcast and I didn't know anything about it. And you were one of the people that, um, you know, we came to and you gave us a lot of really good advice. The mixture I'm sitting in front of that makes everything so easy was your idea and you showed it to me and I got to hold it. And yeah, I'm really grateful for that and grateful for you. This wouldn't have happened without you. Oh, that means a lot, man. I'm so impressed that you made it happen. And now here you are, what, hundreds of podcast episodes in? What a what a great thing what yeah. you've created. Well, it's great. We're over 200 now, and it's been a really fun journey. And you're right, like with a little bit of technology, we're shooting beams into outer space and talking to people 12, 12, 12 uh, time zones away and create content that hasn't been created. It's pretty fun. Oh, I love it. And you know, the, the stuff that you were trying to do for someone in your space, how would you know how to do it, you yeah. know? And for you to take this on and turn it in a brand new business. And now it's going around the world, man. What a cool thing. The pandemic actually turned out to be in its own way. Yeah, definitely. Presented all of us with challenges, which I do want to talk about today, but I think it's, you know, how we come through those challenges and how we see those and see those as learning opportunities and try to grow from them. doesn't always happen, but when it does, um, I think it can be a real blessing. Um, Before we deep dive into you and your life, one of the other blessings of the pandemic was the release of, of Last Dance. Oh, yes. Remember Last Dance, all 10, Michael Jordan, um, (laughs) playing 
you know, the jazz in the playoffs in 97 and 98, 10 different episodes, awesome content, but 10 different times at least that you saw Jordan push off B Russ, stand up out of the couch and yell at the TV. No, he pushed off. Yes, sir. <laughs> Why was that such a dagger for you? Uh, that was still just the, that was the crushing moment of my childhood. But actually at the time I was, a, I was in Brazil living there as a missionary for my church. And the thing is, is that when that happened, I remember just thinking, oh, man, we were so close. Oh, but when you run into the greatest player that ever lived, it's okay. You know, but I'm still a true blue Utah jazz guy. And you just got to admire the the greatness of Jordan, even if there was a little push off, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. It's funny. We ended up in the same place in Brazil. Yes, we I was did. just a few years later than you. So I was out, you know, shooting hoops every afternoon and everybody would go inside. And I just remember that, that I think it was a Sunday, Sunday afternoon into evening when that, that game happened, game six. And it was like, everybody just kind of like rubbed their eyes and walked outside for the first time. And like, what's getting back to reality was a little weird. Yeah, for sure. I remember, uh, uh, they were showing it at a bar in Brazil. Oh, that's, funny. That's where I saw it. Nice. That's oh, awesome. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and for the record, you did try to be like Mike. I saw a picture on your social media of you attempting a Michael Jordan dunk. I'm not sure how old you were. Um, that was a pretty close attempt. You almost nailed it as far as the dunk went. Yeah, right. No, I mean, hey, dude, I was probably 17 in that picture. I mean, I really wanted to play in the NBA. That was my path, I thought. And uh, I I did pretty good. I was a all-state basketball player and mm. had a full-ride scholarship offer to a university. And I mean, you know, it didn't work out that way, but I'll tell you, it was nice to have somebody that you could emulate. And Michael Jordan's signature move, the tongue hanging out whenever he went up for the dunk, that's what I was doing. Now, here's the thing. The picture you saw, nobody knows what it looked like at the end. Just the launch. That's the only photo. <laughs> <laughs> and I was looking at the launch thinking there's there still must be some launching to go because you <laughs> still have a few feet to go. I'm sure I just dunked the bottom of the net on that one. <laughs> it was nice. awesome. It was a great picture. I loved it. Um, before we talk about you and your life, I want to I want to kind of change the order of the way I wanted to present this at first. And I want to talk about a post that I saw from you in April of 2020 on Facebook. And it was one that was like funny, but not funny and really scary. And I was sitting around really feeling bad for myself and ourselves. We were on unemployment. Everything was really scary. and We didn't know what the future would hold. And you made this post on Facebook that showed a, a white board that was totally white. And you said, these are my events in 2020. Right. This is my calendar. Yeah, I think it said 2020 bookings and then underlined <laughs> nothing. So yeah, I I had a pretty good 2020 lined up after a really nice 2019. And I'm, for your listeners, I mean, I'm a, I make a living for 20 years as a guy going and speaking and performing in front of thousands of people at large conventions. And so to have that stripped from me was quite sobering. And it all happened in middle of March, you know, 2020. And by April, I had zero. And so there's there's humor in that. We have to find the humor in, oh, man, what do I do now? But equally, there's that's where character is defined, I feel, mm. when there is nothing that you have going forward. Mm. And so now what do you create? And so even though it was a comical but also tragic post, it was – it was also something that people could relate to, like yourself, you know, saying, oh man, what are we going to create out of boundless body and right, the whole deal. But equally, I said, this stinks, 
I bet you can feel it too, whoever's reading and looking at this. And what are we going to do about it? Reminds me of that movie Martian, if mm. you ever saw that, uh, yeah. where uh, where Matt Damon's stuck on Mars. And he just had to actually go dig through the crap, the literal crap, of the other astronauts. And because he was a botanist, he figured it out. He just had to put in the work every day to mm. survive. And that's what we did. We literally lived on just anything that we could to become survivable. Hmm. It's fascinating. I love that. I want to put that idea on park for a second. We'll come back to that. But before we do, tell us how you became an entertainer. What was that? What was that process like for you? Well, after that mission to Brazil, I realized I was different. I mean, I could go to Brazil and make people laugh with my face and my voice. And so I went, oh, wow, I'm not just weird where I live, but also in another country. And so came back from that as a 21-year-old kid and went right to Las Vegas and put together a one-man show of music and comedy and tried that out at different venues and it really went well. Mm. And, and so I was, you know, for your listeners, they're like, what, what does that mean, music and comedy and voices? I mean, it was everything from Alvin and the Chipmunks, Christmas, Christmas town is <laughs> to Alvin and the, or to Louis Armstrong, when I think to myself, what a wonderful word. And so I'm doing all this comedy mixed with parody and music and, and, and stories. And I created a pretty cool show of voices and characters that people loved. And so conventions would hire me as their after dinner entertainer. Mm. And that was a family friendly experience for them. And I was eventually offered a big opportunity in Las Vegas. And, and, uh, you know, in my book, I share that I turned that away just because it didn't align with the values that I had established for myself. And so i I became for years, uh, the answer to affordable after dinner Hilarious entertainment. <laughs> That's amazing. Did you meet any resistance doing that or was it all just kind of natural? Oh, tons of resistance. I mean, of course, there were people that were like, why would we hire a guy we've never heard of? Or why would you be doing impressions of artists when we could just hire the artist? Mm. And then other times it was, you know, you're from where you're from. We don't want that. And stuff like that it was mm. really kind of tricky, but it also helped me to refine what my promise was to myself and to my audience, what I felt was that it needed to be family friendly. And it always remained that mm. even when I was offered other opportunities to not do that. Wow. Yeah. So just the power of staying true to your values and the things that you stick with, even though in the short term, it might seem more difficult in the end, you end up finding something that maybe nobody had done and creates value. I think of somebody like Jim Gaffigan or Brian Regan or something, they have more kind of clean shows and they've stuck to that. And it, Look how they're doing. Part of their branding, you know, essentially. And they're known as that guy you can take the kids to their show. And yeah. so that became something for me as well for a long time. And mine were even a little bit more strict. I, I didn't do any gigs on Sundays. And, you know, clients would say, well, why not? And I'd tell them that it was a day that I didn't do that. And a lot of the times they would respect that. They'd say, well, we could do it on Saturday or Monday instead. What do you think? Mm. And as we stick to our values and those boundaries that we put in place for ourselves and also for them, I think people respect that. Mm. They go, oh, wow, I didn't realize you were actually going to live this. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great point. I yeah. love that. Great life lesson. Today, Bethany asked me how we first met. And I, you know, it's been a long time. So it must have been at the gym that I was working at and you were working out. And we probably got introduced by my dad, I would say, who's also working out there. He came to me many years ago and said, I saw this guy 
performed this show. It was incredible. I'd never seen anything like it. It was amazing and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't think much of it until a few years later when the three of us were probably at the gym together. He introduced us. And your dad, well, no, your dad was one of the greatest um, advocates for what I do. And I'm sure that's where he introduced us, was at the gym. Mm. Well, th- I remember one of our first interactions where I said, oh, yeah, I remember you do comedy or you do, you know, song, singing, whatever. And you corrected me. And you said, no, 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 I'm an entertainer. Why was that so important to define yourself in that way? Oh, well, because where, where we live in Utah, the challenge that we had with Utah was trying to promote myself as a, say, comedian is a bad word in Utah 20 years ago. Mm. So people thought that meant blue humor or something that was inappropriate. And so I was like, well, I'm not just doing comedy. I'm doing music and I'm, I actually write songs and I telling stories and I'm also motivating sometimes. So it's not just a comedian. And so then we changed it to, I am the entertainer. Mm. Billy Joel wrote a song called, I am the entertainer, and I know just where I stand, another serenader, and another long-haired band. So I became the entertainer. Gotcha. And that sort of just fit as an umbrella for all that I did. That's amazing. And your dad saw me do one of the most fascinating events I ever got, which was in front of all of these legendary golfers. Professional mm. golfers were all there. They were waiting for the big show to start, which was a guy named Vince Gill, who's won, I think, 35 Grammys yeah, or yeah. something crazy. Wow. And so they were waiting for him to come out on stage, and they introduced me. And I'm just this local kid coming out there doing a bunch of silly voices, like, you know, Mickey and Donald and Goofy, like, oh, boy, hi, everybody, Mickey Mouse here. Oh, hi, this is Goofy. <laughs> You know, and your dad's like, what is this? But when my standing ovation was led by Jack Nicholas, and then, uh, you know, it was Gary Player. And I mean, the top people in the whole world of golf were cheering for me. That stunned your father as well as me because they loved it. And they were like, that was masterful. He thought they confused who the main event was. That's right. And so then Vince Gill came out and was like, who made me follow Alvin and the Chipmunks? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so that really kind of put me on the map in terms of doing events for celebrities. And, and so I've done a lot of neat, neat gigs. That's but amazing. your dad was at that one. That was a legendary moment, really, for my life as well as in, in entertainment in Utah history, really. Mm, wow. So. That's amazing. What a cool story. Yeah. We mentioned fitness. This might be a good time to talk about your journey with health and fitness. Um, you mentioned playing basketball at a very high level at a young age. So obviously that was very important to you. What, what, how did your, your fitness evolve over time? Yeah. You know, I, I was in pretty good shape in high school. I was sinewy, if you will. And, uh, and then I went on a mission to Brazil where all we did was walk in the sun and sweat to death walk, in a full walk, suit, you know, walk. which was insane. But what did they feed us? Rice and beans, ladies and gentlemen, rice and beans. And so I gained like 20 or 30 pounds on my mission. And I had never been able to gain weight as a high schooler. Mm. And now here I am at the beginning of adulthood gaining weight at a really fast rate, even as I was walking, what, 10 miles a day or oh, something at least. At least. Yeah, and because you're out walking for 12 hours. And so came home from the mission, and I really fought the weight, got married to a wonderful gal that I met, Tammy, and I was just like, this is my dream come true, and I was in good shape and 
got a gig in Las Vegas, which I was an impersonator of Ricky Martin, who was the Latin lover, the Bon Bon Sugar, upside inside out, I'm living la vida loca. And I was squeezing into leather pants. And I remember the first night as I got done with the the show, the first time on a stage, the producer came up to me and said, hey, you got to lose like 10 or 15 pounds. You're just, you're just too fat to be Ricky Martin. And I was like, no one's ever called me fat. Like, since when am I overweight? Wow. And thus began just this crazy journey of both self-esteem, perhaps, issues of you know, Casey, I mean, I never felt I was sexy enough to look like Ricky Martin in a Las Vegas show. I always grew up being the ugly kid with the big mouth, mm. you know? And so here I am, this weird dichotomy of I'm the sexiest man in the world as Ricky Martin, but I'm also too overweight in the eyes of the producer. And so I started just kind of starving myself and doing what I had to do to lose the weight. And I don't know if I've really ever shared this story, but yeah, it, it became almost a... Uh, an eating disorder in and of itself just yeah. to stay employed. Wow. How bizarre is that? I, mean, I think we've heard a lot of women talk about that through the years, but how many men share that? Yeah. It, it probably happens way more than we hear about. Way more. Mm-hmm. And it's tragic on all ends. Yeah. And so I, I've been fighting my weight ever since. Mm-hmm. And that was over 20 years ago that I started that journey wow. of how do you fight the genetics mixed with, you know, just the travel and the the gigs and eating when you can and that kind of a thing. It's yeah. been a real, real wild journey, but yeah, that's how you and I met was me at the gym trying to look like Casey rough somehow, oh, you know, don't, like don't getting do that. in that shape. <laughs> you do that. You definitely won't get the gig as Ricky yeah, Martin. I'll tell right. you that. <laughs> no, but I just was like, how do I get into this really tip top shape? And I've just, I just had never gotten there. Hmm. And so to have the trainers that you and I knew, uh, that were really good trainers, great guys. And it was like, you got to eat chicken and broccoli and that's it for seven meals a day. And I'm just choking that down to try to lose three pounds. You know, yeah. I mean, it was brutal. Yeah. That's been a battle for the last, for the entire career. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think we all come to the fitness and health industry with that mindset of we need to eat very few calories. We need to eat tons of fiber. We need to fill up the gut. We need to eat frequently, frequent meals, all the meal prepping and all that kind of stuff that you have to do. How did you, how did that work for you? Like what, what, what happened? What did that lead to? Oh, it only led to binging. I mean, you know, you would, you would starve yourself as long as you could in terms of eating broccoli and chicken. And that was it. And then finally, uh, after seven days or 21 days or whatever else you could get through, then you're, then you find yourself in, eating an entire box of Krispy Kreme donuts at the back of the Seven Eleven. I mean, it's like, it was just this cyclical disaster, you know? And I was, uh, Hey, I've always been in the kind of shape that I could climb a mountain. I could run around a lake that. for, you know, for f- five miles without a problem. I mean, I was in good shape, but not the kind of shape that I needed to be. Mm. And the other problem with all of that is what you mentioned earlier, men and women, I, I think it's ubiquitous, not talking about this issue. And so everybody is behind that Seven Eleven, thinking that they're the problem. They're the failure. Everybody else can get it down. And, you know, my neighbor's wife can get it down or whatever. And they think that they're broken. Something's wrong with them when really 
nobody really kind of questions that advice and maybe there's another way to do things. You seem to be in the best shape I've ever seen you in. What have you been doing lately? Well, I mean, uh, obviously working with great trainers helped uh, back then, but it, I think you have to come to a point where you not only are, it's one thing to have a producer tell you, you need to lose weight, or it's another thing for someone else to say, Hey, you don't look right in that outfit, or you shouldn't be on stage. I had audience members literally telling me that they would say, Hey, if you're going to be on stage, you need to look the part. And I was like, uh, how offensive can you get? Mm. But there comes a time when you start to have to make a decision for yourself. And I think that's what I came to even just in the last uh, six months where I called you and I was like, dude, what do I have to do? I have been fighting this for 20 years. What do I have to finally change? And you, you, you with your intuitive eating, with the intermittent fasting, with the, hey, this is what you ought to focus in on and just try it. I mean, I remember you said that you're like, dude, just give it a good push for three months. Just try it. See if it works for your body. Mm. And uh, I was like, I'm eating this way and I'm eating that. And you're like, well, you can't drink that in the morning and then break your fast because you're actually putting calories in your body through empty, you know, zero calorie drinks and whatever. And it helped me just hone in so much. And so talking to you was like, it blew my mind. I mm. said, oh, I'm not really intermittent fasting properly. Mm. I'm not eating enough fat. I'm eating just protein. It's mm. crazy. Like I'm, I'm trying to survive on the protein when I should be stuffing myself with the, with the fats. Mm. And that's weird. Yeah. All this weird stuff that you're just like, no way. There's no way that's right. And then when you told me the science of it and I'm listening to your podcast, I'm like, oh man, this is the answer. And mm. it is, it's been my answer. That's great. That's yeah. really good to hear it. And thank you for the kind words. I have obviously stolen that information from a lot of people that have come before me and actually do the research. Um, but yeah, it's it. the other thing that I notice uh, with myself, with my clients is it, it becomes a lot more effortless. There's not as much that you have to put into it. If I decide I want to go on like a 24 hour fast or 20 hour fast or whatever I want to do that day, you, I, I just, kind of do it and I'll kind of be hungry at some point in the day, but it just kind of passes like an, an emotion or a thought where you have it and you see it and you notice it and then it just kind of flows away and you can spend your time doing other things. Is that something you notice as well? That's exactly it. And I mean, it's one thing to say like, this is the program I'm on and this is the deadline, you know, like it's some crazy goal, but when it becomes a promise to yourself that you're just going to say, uh, I like this, this is what I'm going to be. Mm. That's where everything has changed for me. That. Yeah. So I've really embraced intermittent fasting cool. like in a huge way, not in the half way that I was doing it before, mm. but for you to teach me the right way, which is what I'm doing now. And for your listeners, I mean, I'm, I do not enjoy eating in the morning. And so I'm just fasting until usually noon or 2 PM, something like that. And then I'll have my meal, which is possibly three or four big fat hamburger patties. <laughs> and I just go out and grill them like a ritual, smother them in butter, maybe some bacon or cheese or avocado or whatever I want on the little MCT oil thrown on there. I mean, just wild stuff that I never thought mm. this is the answer. But as I eat that, I'm like, oh, this is cool. If I want to throw the greens in, I will. If I want to have an apple, I will. But you know, it, it's almost become an intuitive eating, but with really clean keto mm. and I was cheating before I was cheating myself mm. by saying, Oh, I'm intermittent fasting. And then, you know, you're like eating a, a, a Wendy's meal, you know, like, well, it's in the window of food. <laughs> 
And my body's changed since I did that. And I set some rules for myself. Not going to eat after 6 p.m. I'm going to drink water only. Like crazy stuff to some people, but for me, it's what works. Mm. And when you feel good about it and you're like, I love this. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until I said, uh, I used to do this thing where I'd say, I don't like working out in the morning. I'd rather go in the evening or in the afternoon. But it was this just weight on my shoulders all day going, am I going to go work out? It was just almost a question. It wasn't until I made the decision that I'm going to wake up every morning before 5 a.m. and I am going to work out no matter what, mm. no matter what the weather is, no matter how I feel, I need to do something. If it's just stretching because my back hurts, then that's my workout. Mm but I'm going to sweat every day. Wow. That's a new promise to me. I love that. And man, it's made all the difference. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, I think for me personally, I used to think that I could moderate those things as well. Like a little bit here, I could cheat a little bit there. I could not do my strength training workouts if I didn't feel like it on a certain day. And I've, I've learned for myself as well. I can't, I can't moderate. If I have a little, I will not stop and I will feel terrible and it will hurt me the next day. And it's, if for me, it's just, it, it it's not worth it. It's never worth cheating on yourself. You know what I mean? That's right. And it's, it's way easier to go a hundred percent than 90. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Yep. Totally agree. When I walk through a grocery store, I know where my food is. I can go right to my food. It's really easy to walk past all the other stuff that I know. It just, that's not my food. It's not my food. That's right. And how much easier is it to say, you know, to your family, this is what I eat, Yeah. you know, instead of like, oh, well maybe I'll have the Chick-fil-A cause we're all doing that. Yeah, totally. No, it's way easier to just be like, oh, it's after six. I'm not eating. Yep. Totally. I mean, now I wake up and I'm like, oh man, I, I, I think, you know, this too, Casey, I've had insomnia for my whole life. And it wasn't until I started changing this food situation for myself and this workout situation where I'm saying I'm up at five. Wow. Now I'm going to bed at 1030. I'm like, I'm like passing out at 1030. Wow. I'm literally exhausted from a day I've squeezed every moment out of. And what a great promise to live. I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. At the time of this recording, we are heading into the time of year where people start to make a lot of goals. They like to, um, you know, see what they're going to do for themselves in the coming year, what things are going to improve and they make goals for themselves. And I think most of us know, like you can avoid the gym in January because it's going to be slammed. But by like February, middle of February, like you're, you're back to the same machines. You're not waiting for machines anymore. Most of the people who made goals kind of clear out and the people that had already been there in December, they're, they're still there. They're still coming back. And I want you to talk a little bit about why goals don't work and why you have deliberately used a promise and why that does. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, not to disparage the goal, not to dis, not to discount the guy who's making that resolution to show up at the gym on, in January, but I feel bad for them because I have been that guy. I know exactly what they're going through. A goal has a deadline, you know, a promise is something you become. And so in terms of saying, I like to say, why set a goal and we can make a promise? Not to say goals aren't important, but of course they are. But if you set a goal and you miss it, you just set another one, right? But if you make a promise and break it, that's a one and done. Mm. So what are your promises? They're like your sacred goals. And so they might be intangible, but they're fully accountable, And they are those non-negotiables that if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Mm. And usually that's easier with somebody else than ourselves, because who are we accountable to for us? The only thing that is accountable is when you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, darn, it caught up to me. Yeah. 
you know? And so with the goals coming into the new year, um, if, if somebody's listening, thinking to themselves, how do I, how do I set this goal and keep it? Goals are particulars, but promises are proclamations. So make a proclamation this year. Maybe that proclamation is just something simple like, I will sweat every day because I want to. And if you get angry enough at yourself for not having done that before, you'll keep that promise. Now you can set those little goals that are like, I got to wake up at five or I got to get up by six o'clock to make this happen. Mm. Uh, You know, the problem I think is, is when we try to tackle like 50 goals at once, then everything falls apart and we really feel like a failure. So if somebody's listening saying, well, I break every promise to myself, well, then make one promise and keep it. You know, it may sound just way too simplified, but to me, that's the best way to live. Mm. And uh, one of my promise proclamations is I will spread joy wherever I go. And so if I'm at the gym, I'm spreading joy, not being a fool running around like using the, you know, the wrong machine on the wrong body part. But like I'm smiling at people saying hello. I'm, I'm going to spread joy with every client I work with. And one of my promises to myself and to my body is I promise myself to feed it what it needs for its fuel. Mm. I'm no longer, uh, you know, li- living to eat. I'm eating to live, you know, and so it's a... Love that. It's pretty cool how the promises change when it's not just a goal that you set that has a deadline. Because, dude, I am not going back. I'm just not. Had I set a goal, I would have. I would have quit in that messy middle, as Michael Hyatt calls it. Mm. I am not going to quit in the middle of it. And okay. you know what? Right now, I'll be very candid with you. We're in the middle of Christmas week. This is crazy time. We have people dropping treats off. I brought you a treat, man. Like I'm doing, <laughs> I, I almost ate it on the way over. No, <laughs> you know. But like, here's the thing. I know that at, in this week, as I've said to my wife, I said, hey, you know what? I'm going to enjoy some of the stuff that we get brought from these friends and stuff. Dude, you know this. I haven't had any sugar since August. Wow. How do I feel? I feel like crap because I'm introducing this foreign thing gross sugar into my body again, but I really like the taste that I've enjoyed for this week. And I said to my wife, I was like, I'm going to enjoy a couple of, you know, good things this week. And then I'm, I'm still not missing a workout though. Every morning, Mm. there's no way. Great. I'm still drinking the water. I'm not going to drink my calories like that kind of stuff that you still choose. And then I know I'm going to get right back at it on, you know, the 26th. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. And and does the concept of promises help keep you on track that way? Because I think most people, maybe with a goal, they would say, okay, well, I already screwed up or I know I've got the party on Saturday. So all week, I'm just going to not do anything and I'm going to, you know, gain 10 pounds and yep. kick myself in January for doing it when you could have contained it and said like, okay, well, there is a party Saturday, but that's Saturday night. That's like a few hours. I don't need to give up on my promises all week just because I want to enjoy myself on that time. And maybe I only have a few bites and that's it. Like how, how do prom, how do making promises for yourself help you stay on track in that way? Yeah, perfectly said. I mean, really you've, you've hit it on the head with, with saying, I'm just going to indulge in that one time and space. And so when it comes to the promise to the self, it truly comes down to identify, clarify, magnify. That's what I that's what I say. It's the ICM process. So just identify what it is that you've promised yourself you're going to do, clarify it with the people that can hold you accountable then magnify it from there. Mm. And so with my wife, I'll say stuff like, you know, 
hey, just so you know, I'm not going to indulge in any of this stuff all week, but then on Saturday, we're going to have that one party. Hey, just just give me a tug if you see me going back too many times to the buffet, mm. right? <laughs> she becomes my accountability partner. And then within that, we live the promise together. Mm. I love Pretty that. Rad. Yeah, that's great. Does she rely on you for that kind of thing? Is it a two-way street? Uh, I mean, yeah, in her own way, you know, but she's just naturally good at it. Yeah. So she's a promise. That's great person. I mean, she's just good at all that. That's great. I love that you break down, um, the ICM process in your book. I think it's great. Can you talk a little bit about the last one to magnify it a little bit more? Yeah. So when it comes to magnifying our promise, it could be just the signature move that makes us who we are, you know? And so when it comes to my signature moves, that's, that's things that I've found out that I'm good at that, that make me, Jason Hewlett to my clients, you know, so they say, we know we're going to get these things with Jason. And so when it comes to your magnification process, it's how am I bringing it every single day? How am I delivering a hundred percent? And so, for example, if I have a promise with my children that dad's going to be a hundred percent present, that magnification might mean that I've deleted something from my phone. So I'm not distracted when I'm with my kids, you know? And so for me, it's been deleting the apps that distracted me, which was Facebook, you know? So uh, do I still post? Heck yeah. How do I do that? Well, I just delete the post or I delete the app. And then when I'm ready to post something, when I have something to say, I'm going to go load the app. Mm. That's my promise to my family. Mm. Because otherwise, what happens? Daddy can't control himself. It's just scroll, this, scroll, scroll. Yeah, scroll. I'm a doom scroller, man. And so how do I how do I keep that promise? I keep those apps away. Mm. And maybe somebody listening might say to themselves, that's ridiculous. Well, what are your vices? How do you control them? Yeah. How do you keep that at bay? Some people can live with food surrounding them that they're never going to touch, and other people have to clear out the cupboards. Yeah. So what are the boundaries you need to set? And mm. within the magnification process of ICM, identify, clarify, magnify your promises to just say, each day I'm accountable to myself. I'm accountable to my journal. I'm accountable to the calendar. I'm accountable to my family. What are those places to which we're accountable and how do we magnify that promise? It's, mm. a, it's a fascinating concept to live. Yeah. I love that. Love that you mentioned journaling. Um, I've resisted journaling for a very long time. And this <laughs> month, um, I've been journaling every day and it, it makes a huge difference. Oh, really? Huge difference. What are you doing? Like, wh- how did that start? I'm sure your listeners would be like, would like to know. Whose podcast is this anyway? <laughs> you can't ask me the questions. Tell me, tell I want to know why you went into the journaling. I wanted, I wanted to answer that question that you just asked. Like, what are my vices? What are things that I am doing that are holding myself back? And it, it's funny. I didn't know why I chose journaling. I have a, a stoicism handbook that I use every single day and I do different exercises with that every single day. And that maybe started the writing process. And, uh, you know, I, it, it's, it's funny. I mentioned this on a recent podcast, like writing things down is really magical. There's something that happens where I, I see words coming from this pen and they're coming straight through me in a way that I had not processed or thought about in that way. And I'm like reading it going like, Holy smokes, like where is this coming from? It's really interesting. Have you found this? Good same? for you. Yeah, man. I'm really proud of you for doing that. Mm. A lot of people never pick up that pen. Mm. 
And uh, they're losing a lot of insights that they could be gleaning from the depths of the soul. And I'm glad you're studying Stoicism. I loved your podcast on that. That, And I appreciate the book you gave me. Like, those kind of things are powerful for us. And so when it comes to journaling, and I do write a lot about that in my book, The Promise of the One, but the journal is the great tool of assessment, self-awareness, getting to the very bottom of where you want life to not only come from, but head. And so which direction are we going? I really enjoy the journaling process for the sense of, it's almost like your own personal therapist therapy session. And so you can spew all the anger, hate, disappointment, shame, all of those things into the pages instead of having them come out in eating disorders or, you know, hurting feelings of other people or hating yourself and self-loathing. And so you can spill all of these details onto the page. And what I love within a journal is that they can all return to gratitude and that launches your day. So if you can start your day with a nice workout, with a nice glass of cold water to just, you know, release the bowels and then take a nice cold shower, these things that we've been taught that people are like, dude, it's freezing outside. (laughs) And I'm like, I love my cold shower. There is nothing like waking my mind up then taking that cold shower and knowing I've accomplished these things each morning, Mm. the workout, fasting, doing the cold shower thing. And then I break into my journal, man, now I'm releasing what was holding me back. I'm planning my future and my day. And now I'm, I'm reviewing my journal too. Sometimes I'll go back and read it and be like, Whoa, that's ridiculous. Why was I thinking that way? Mm. And, and then I just forgive myself and say, this day will be incredible. That's interesting. Yeah. So the journal is the perfect way to start the day. And then I, I do like the self-assessment at night when I'm laying there before bed instead of doom scrolling and watching Netflix on a binge. Instead, just laying there and looking at the fan as the night is coming to a close and the kids are all still running around screaming until midnight. <laughs> I'm laying there at 1030 and my wife knows this is my process now because I used to be up till one or two. Now I'm in the bed at 1030 laying there and I'm just assessing. How did, did I keep that promise today when my son came in and was bugging me and I was typing an email? Did I, did I keep my promise to stop, turn, give him a hug, give him a full tension? All he really needed was to ask me one quick question and then he's out of there. Mm. Now I can turn back to my work or if he really needs me, I can go help him. Mm. If I don't do that, I've broken a promise to myself. I assess it that night and I say, what What am I going to keep as a promise for myself tomorrow? Mm. It's a really wonderful process. The promise really can free you of self-loathing and bring you greater fulfillment and happiness. Yeah, that's amazing. And really important to reiterate, all of those things weren't overnight. You didn't just do all of those things overnight. You add one piece, yeah. take a small step. You don't know where it's going to lead. But nothing's going to happen if you do nothing. I mean, it's like the Tao says, where the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. But you just have to take a step in the right direction. Get a win. Get a small win. Right. The stories of people getting the gym memberships and like walk in and walk out. Don't do anything else until you feel like you want to walk upstairs and then maybe you want to walk five minutes on the treadmill or whatever. Just get a win. And that gives you that positive momentum. So um, right. Yeah, so right. That's great. I love the concept of promise. Um, I think it's really effective. I know that it's worked in my life with, you know, th- things that I've tried to do when I, when I make a promise to myself, I'm way more likely to say, ah, I have to do this one thing. Yeah. I want to ask you about signature moves. How can we find our signature moves? 
Yeah, that's also through the ICM process. It's kind of just uh, it, it it's spread throughout the book and the entire process itself. But I like to say identify your talents, gifts, that which makes you uniquely who you are, and then you clarify it with others, and then you magnify those signature moves. And so let's say I'm sitting here listening to this and going, I don't have any signature moves. You know, a signature move like Michael Jordan sticking out his tongue to go up for a dunk or Michael Jackson's moonwalk. What is, what is the Casey Ruff signature moves, you know? And it always freaks out even the most impressive people when I ask them that, cause they're like, uh, I don't know what mine is. You know, I'm talking to these leaders and I'm coaching guys that are multimillionaires, accomplished the world, great marriage. Kids love them. What's my signature move? <laughs> like it's the darndest thing to ask someone that question. But if we identify what our natural gifts are, whether it's the ability to connect with somebody or you are a natural leader or you're really good at playing the piano or you're just an, you're an artist or you're love crunching numbers, just write down those things. I challenge the listeners to write down a hundred. Mm. I mean, I know that might sound crazy because if I said, Hey, write down 10 things you're good at. You're like, uh, I got three, you know, but if I say, okay, well write down 10 things you need to improve. You're like, Oh, I got 20. Mm. So let's just, Let's just try to write down a few, just like you say, the one one step at a time. But I like to challenge people to go for a hundred. Wow. Write down as many as you possibly can, because if I say I'm an entertainer, that might embody a lot of things. I'm funny. I'm I'm a hard worker. I'm dedicated. You know, I mean, you can then start to dissect each word that you come up with and go, oh, I've got a lot that I really do well. Mm. Doesn't need that you're a hundred percent different than everybody else, you know, in every single thing you write down, just write what you're good at right now. Things that you're good at, things that time passes really quickly when you do them, or yeah. Yeah. maybe things that, that other people think are difficult. And you're like, well, that's weird. Cause this is way easy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like the uh, gay Hendricks uh, on the podcast, yeah. you know, a couple of times, uh, episodes ago, he talks about zone of genius. And so where, where is your zone of genius? And that's within your signature moves. It's when you're just naturally so gifted at it. And, and so as we identify what those are, I like to say, hey, come up with your top 10 that you really identify are yours. If you come up with 100, then circle the top 10, and there's your top 10 list. Wow. And then how do you, you take that identify list, set it off to the side. Now, what about clarify? You clarify it with others. So imagine sending a text to somebody that you love, your, you know, your family member. Send it to your dad. Hey, dad. What do you think are my signature moves? What am I good at? Now he's like, well, what are you dying? Why are you sending me this? <laughs> right. <laughs> but you just say, I'm going through this process. Help me. I'm yeah, just send me some things that you think are my traits and gifts. He's going to send you words you never would have seen in yourself. Mm. It's really a cool thing because he sees in you what you can't see because you do it so naturally. And so the, the gifts that we seek to identify are the gifts that we keep and qualify. And so when I send out to my peers or the people that I love or the people I work with, even my clients, I might say, Hey, what are, what am I good at? And they'll send back a couple of words. When I did this with my wife, the first time my list consisted of things that I identified for me. I'm funny. I'm, you know, I'm musical. I, I do all, I'm an artist. She clarified for me. Yes, you are funny. Yes, you are an artist, but you're thoughtful. Mm. 
That's your greatest gift. You're willing to be vulnerable. I'm like, what? Those aren't words I would have identified for me. Mm. So she clarified for me things that I go, oh, I kind of like that. Wow. Can I lean into it? So now I have a list of identify for myself, clarify from others Wow. whom I respect. Wow. Now I can magnify those signature moves. That's amazing. I love that. Let's go back to that time in your life, 2020 spring, all your gigs gone, <laughs> all your gigs gone. How did this process help you through that challenge? Oh, what a great question, dude. I love your question. Uh, so I redid the process because as I'm leaning into it, thinking, okay, the world is saying we are no longer essential. <laughs> I'm not an essential worker, a guy who makes people laugh or think or whatever I, I had become. And so, man, I went through the process and said, can I identify that I'm capable of this? Am I really, really able to do something spectacular here? And Casey, I identified that I was actually pretty good at technology, that I could identify that I could do, I could do virtual gigs. I could still make it work. And my grit and stick-to-itiveness, it all came back into a place where it was like, oh, wow, I can start over. And I did. I had to start my business over from scratch. No clients would hire me because they thought, oh, well, he's only good in front of large audiences in person. So now I had to go and figure out how to do virtual events, make it fun, make it engaging, make it awesome. And I had to go get all new clients in the middle of a pandemic. And it was awesome, actually. You know, I really realized how I built my business in the first place. It was awesome to identify, clarify, and magnify that I had the ability to do this. And so, yeah, I launched a whole new business. That's crazy. I remember visiting you a few months in and checking out your revamped living room. Our house will never be the same. Like all of, all the work I do at the kitchen table, which has not acted as a kitchen table since spring of 2020, you know, podcast interviews in, in second bedrooms and stuff like that. Your family room and living room completely modified. What an amazing area you created for yourself. Can you talk about that process? It was a full on family effort. And I'm so proud of my family because they they could have been like, dad, go get a job, you know, but they were like, okay, what do you need? What can we do? Can I hold a boom stand up? And, you know, do you need me to film you something? I mean, my kids were amazing in that. And my wife has endless faith in my ability to be creative and to be a steward over us. And, and so she's with me the whole way. I'm grateful for a family like that. Mm. For sure. That makes a huge difference. But man, to, to be, to be on that Island and go, Oh, I don't know how we're going to make it, but I know I can do something. Mm. What can I do? And transform the house. Wow. We had to buy some stuff, but not, not a crazy amount. We just needed a couple of things and people came through for us. People gifted me things that uh, items and equipment that I needed. And then I went and I found all the old gear that I had bought that I had intended to use someday. And we just started piecemealing it together until we had two virtual studios within the same house. Wow. And uh, yeah, I, I made, what was interesting, Casey, is I made so much money during the pandemic doing those virtual gigs that it kind of ruined my, my taxes 
because I didn't spend all the money on travel and expenses. Oh, funny. And so I couldn't write off all the stuff I had always <laughs> written off. And so I'm like, wait a minute. It's like, I never thought I would have that problem. I made too much money. <laughs> that's hilarious. But it was a miracle, right? And yeah. that's all the stick to That's the power of a promise is to just say, I promise I'm going to work until this works. Yeah. And uh, I did. I, I think, you know, I was pulling 20-hour days to, yeah. until it finally hit. And then yeah. I was like, okay, now I can sleep. Yeah. But it was July of 2020 when I said, okay, I've now cranked from middle of March till July. I've got this thing rolling. I, I've got my setup. And that's when I started working on the sleep. <laughs> and that was that's the foundation of health yeah. is sleep, which I had never given myself that gift. Mm. But to practice, okay, n- literally my wife went out of town with the kids for three days up to bear Lake, which is a beautiful place in Utah. And she was like, I know you're just going to work the whole time and not sleep. Please just try to get some rest. So I did the exact opposite of what she thought. And cause I would usually just stay up all night and work, work, work. Cause I love my work. But this time I was like, I'm going to go to bed. Mm. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I went to bed at 10 o'clock and I laid there till one trying to sleep next night, 10 o'clock laid there till midnight 10 o'clock later till 11. Like now, now I'm 10 30. Mm. But it was a practice until my, but I kept waking up at four. Actually, this was my alarm clock. You ready? When I had to pee, that's when I got up. <laughs> so if I had to pee at three 30, I was like, Oh, that's the alarm clock. And I stayed up gotcha. and that's how I reset my biological clock. I swear. Mm. Yeah, it worked. Wow. And so now that's, almost pretty much my pattern. Mm. I'm in bed at 1030, whatever time I fall asleep, I fall asleep. But then usually I, I have to go to the bathroom about 445 and then you're up. I'm up and then I go work out. Feel well like, recovered. And like, there's my life. Yeah. I'm really happy. Yeah. And talk about fulfilling the best thing of the day every day, the workout. Yep. I got it in. Yep. That's awesome. And I feel so awesome. That's awesome. And I look awesome. Like I look awesomer than I've ever looked <laughs> right now. I'm 43. Why didn't I look this way when I was Ricky Martin at 21? Really fascinating. Yeah. But it comes down to making that promise to self. No one else can tell you to do it. Yeah. I think we both love Jim Carrey. Um, he's one of your favorites, isn't he? <laughs> Already then. <laughs> Most certainly. Why do you ask? <laughs> one of my favorite, of course, <laughs> one of my favorite movies of his is... Um, is it liar liar? <laughs> Which one are you going at? It's a series of unfortunate events. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's oh. a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> and one of the characters in the show, you know, she ties her hair up at a certain point, and she says, "There's always something." Yeah, there's always something. And you said kind of that same thing in that really difficult time. There's something you can do. You can do something. It might not be the same as what it was a month ago or a year ago, but you can take that step, like you said. Um, how important is that for you to remember? Oh man, that's cool. That's, that's her signature move, isn't it? Mm. We know, right. When she ties her hair up, she's going to figure out the solution. I love that, that you likened it to that. And yeah, I mean, to remember that for ourselves, that there is always a solution that even in COVID and pandemic world and all that we've been through, there is always something we can do as long as we promise not to give up when it gets bad. I mean, We've seen some ugly stuff and we've been through it and lived through some gnarliness lately. There's always something we can do. And maybe it's not for ourselves. Maybe yeah. it's for others. Yeah. 
I mean, what, what was it? Mr. Rogers mom that said, you know, always look for the helpers. Yeah. So that's what I remember in the middle of the pandemic sitting there going, okay, they said I'm not an essential worker, so I don't matter. I can't get a PPP because you know, I don't, my taxes or whatever's going on. And I'm sitting there thinking, is this the end? There's no way. What can I do? Well, I can serve others, can't I? So I started writing letters. I spent probably a week just writing letters to people saying thank you for all that they'd helped me with. Mm. Nothing in return. I did not expect anything. I just wrote letters because I was like, this is the only thing I can do right now. That's it. My wife's like, why are you just writing those letters? I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like I have to spread joy. Because that's my promise, I guess. Right? Isn't that interesting how it all it's comes? It's intrinsic. Yeah. When we proclaim our promise, we just can't, we can't help but live it. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I did at the beginning of the pandemic, just sat and wrote letters. And then I went, oh, I think I can do something more. I can, I can get all the gear I've purchased that I've never used and put it all together. And then eventually found the right guy to help me string it all and connect it all with HDMI and USB-C. And I'm like, what? I'm building a PC tower. What am I doing? I'm supposed to be this funny guy. And now I'm, you know, I'm doing live streams and sound checking myself. It's crazy. You appreciate more the teams that you've worked with in the past and you appreciate their signature moves. But now I'm like, whoa, I have way more signature moves than I ever knew. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That days where, you know, a bunch of my clients have canceled and I got exactly what I wanted. I've got time that I can walk around the lake. And I realize that those days don't feel as good as days where I can go serve. Even though that's what I want to do, I'm afforded that. All our expenses are covered. We're good. I can take some time and go enjoy something for myself. And that's important. But if if it's a day where it, there's not enough service of others, I don't I don't feel the same. Yeah. It's really, really interesting, isn't it? They deemed, you know, work and laughter, um, (laughs) not essential, but why is laughter essential? Oh man. Never has laughter been more important than in the last year and a half. Right. (laughs) And so I think that's why, you know, we're all, we're all looking at Netflix waiting for the next comedy special. It's, it's pretty fascinating, but having conversations with others, it's laughter is, an international language, you know, there, there is no difference between what's, what's being said as long as you can make somebody laugh or send a smile. And so laughter for me has been a huge win. It's been cool to also be like with a client that says, Hey, we need you to come in and uh, teach us leadership. And I go, okay, obviously we'll do that, but make sure we laugh. We've got to laugh within it. <laughs> so then, then we're doing whatever, you know, I'm, I'm just riffing about the day or what's ridiculous about the world and they're laughing and it's never at the disparagement of others, but it's, it's truly at, at, at a higher level of saying, this is how we resonate with one another. Yeah. Definitely need that right now. Totally need it. Totally need it. Yes, sir. That's great. What are you the most proud of? Oh, my family. I mean, there's nothing better than having, uh, a wife that you just can't can't help but stare at all day. <laughs> you list that as one of your uh, you list that as your favorite thing, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, obviously she's physically beautiful, but she shines from the inside. She's just a gorgeous person, and uh, and my children. It's been so fun to watch them become teenagers with their own thoughts, their own independence. They're 
you know, their signature moves. And as a dad who understands this process, how much it can help leaders within the leadership capacity and the people I'm coaching to identify, clarify, magnify their promise, man, how cool is it to help a kid who lives with you? And you're like, you are a blank canvas. You can make anything of your life. That's amazing. And how do we mine out of this child what's naturally there and what they have a propensity for? This is the most beautiful process I've ever been a part of, to watch them do that. My, my goal is to get out of their way, but my promise is to deliver to them any tools they need to succeed in their signature moves. And so to watch my son, who's a masterful artist himself, and to say, hey, what do you need? Well, I need a better camera. Okay, here's this. What do you need? I need to edit. Okay, here's this. The, you know, my daughter, hey, what do you need? Well, I want to become better at, at uh, golf. And I go, okay, well, Casey gave up golf. So, <laughs> Don't call me. <laughs> yeah. So let's go golfing. What do you need? I need clubs. Okay, well, let's go find some clubs. Go look at Casey's driveway. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. So no, like uh, just watching these kids turn into their, their themselves so fascinating. I love it. It's the greatest thing that I've ever seen in my life. And man, I've accomplished a lot of professional accolade type things, but there is nothing like watching a family become a family. It's pretty cool. I can just tell you as a listener, like if you are doubting at all, Jason's <laughs> authenticness about that, absolutely not. He's got a, a grin from ear to ear right now. You can tell he's <laughs> totally being absolutely honest about that. We were talking a little bit before about a few things you have coming up. Do you want to kind of give us a little bit of uh, an update on what you have coming for 2022? Yeah, we're we're going to be launching a podcast, at least one, and it'll be called the Promise Legacy Project Podcast. So say that 10 times fast. <laughs> but uh, I write about the Promise Legacy Project in the book, uh, The Promise to the One. And within the Promise Legacy Project, it's truly just – if the plane were going down, what would you regret not having done? Mm. Right? So yeah. so what is the music you don't want to die within you? And so it'll really just be the the a majority of the episodes at first will be all the music I've written that will be able to now be me playing the piano, singing, and telling the story behind the song so that at least it lives on for my children. Maybe we'll get no listeners other than the first episode, and they'll be like, this is not for me. <laughs> and I'll say, you're right. and Because I don't care who listens to it. You know, it's, it's my project, and I think every person needs that. That's, in fact, what these coaches are now bringing me on for, is they're saying, hey, I've accomplished all these things in life. I've made millions. I've sold businesses. I, what do I do now? And I say, well, let's, let's work on your Promise Legacy project. Mm. So that's the first one. And then the, you know, the other podcast will obviously be The Promise as, a, as is, The Promise Podcast. And so we'll be bringing on guests like yourself and other amazing people. And hopefully I can land some of the cool interviews you have, man. And when I hear, <laughs> when I hear who you have on, I'm like, holy cow, he's doing it. You know, <laughs> like it's so rad because... Man, I mean, I remember you telling me, I really want to do this. And I thought, well, of course he'll do it. But it's hard to say, I'm going to do it, and then you go do it, and then you keep doing it. Yeah. That's the hard part. It's yeah. easy to start. Yeah. It's really hard to keep going to episode 200. Yeah. I think it's 36% of podcasts don't make more than 10. Exactly. And before they kind of die out. So proud of you, man. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. But that highlights what you mentioned, which is 
the why. What is your reason for doing this? And you know, we use this example on the other podcast we do, the How to Make a Podcast podcast, um, <laughs> where we give the example of you know Shauna and her neighbor who get together at two p.m. every afternoon to drink rosé and like talk about their crazy cats. Like that's fine if you want to do that, but if you want to go get sponsors and monetize and like you're gonna have a tough time if you are making something that you're very passionate about and you don't care about the numbers or the money or the time and the fight and the energy that all that takes, you're not going to have something that's worth anything. Anything worth value takes work. That's right. And you've proven that. And I hope your listeners understand, like, this is a passion project. You are not making money on this. And yet you're loving it, doing it right, doing it well. Could you make money? Oh, yeah. Dude, you could take all those sponsorship offers you've had and other things and, and, you know, maybe eventually it'll come to that. Who knows? But what's beautiful about right now is that this is your promised legacy project. This will live on. Yeah. Oh man, how cool. And so for any listener that's sitting there going like, well, I don't want to do a podcast or I don't want to write an album of music. Okay. Well, what are you going to create right now that lives beyond you? And what does that look like for you? Why are you waiting? Don't be so scared. It's not a humongous, it's not that elephant. Just bite at a time. Here we go. Bite at a time. I love that. I love that, man. This has been an awesome conversation. If you had one takeaway, you would like to leave with the listener from this conversation. What would that be? Oh yeah. I would say that, uh, we need to make promises in the new year and then forgive ourselves when we miss them. If we can promise ourselves to forgive ourselves, then we'll keep more promises instead of consistently feeling bad about all the goals that we've set and the resolutions that never got hit and just make a promise write down in your journal in the morning self-assess at night and start again tomorrow. Just like saying, I've got a, I've got a binge all week on eating all the bad stuff I can. Cause I've got that party on Saturday. Anyway, I hope that your listeners will come away with this saying one step at a time, one day at a time, one promise I can make and keep and my life will be better. I love that. Love that. Jason Hewlett, I knew this would be an amazing conversation and it certainly has been. Where can people go to find you and connect with you and your work? I'd love for people to go mostly to LinkedIn. That's where I'm playing the most lately, but I'm obviously on Instagram and Facebook. LinkedIn's fun. JasonHewlett.com is where if somebody wanted to coach with me or book me for an event, that's a great place too. And on Amazon, that's where the book is available. The Promise to the One. I've heard Audible is people's favorite because it's me performing it. (laughs) so however you want to consume it, I appreciate it. But Casey, what an honor to be here with you. I'm so proud of you. Thanks for letting me be a guest. Such an honor to have you here. I read it in book form. Um, I will definitely download it in audio form. I told you about Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey and told you like, do not read this. You have to listen to him perform this. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I will definitely be downloading that. I love it. Jason Hewitt, thank you so very much for your friendship, for your leadership, for doing the difficult thing in very difficult circumstances and coming out on the other side and by doing that in a way that was true to your values and true to your promises and i value all of our time together and i value this interview and the time you made to do this so thank you very much love you man you're the best thank you and this has been another episode of balanced body radio
So thank you again so very much for listening to Boundless Body Radio. I can't thank you, the listener, enough. We are so grateful for you. This year, 2021, was amazing. We got to talk to so many amazing people around the world and got to learn so much from them. And we actually just passed 80,000 downloads worldwide, which I just, when I started this, could not even fathom that we could reach that many people with the message. And hopefully you have gotten a lot out of this, um, as, as have we. Um, as we start the new year, we just wanted to let you know about some of the resources that we offer at Boundless Body LLC. Please go to our website, which is myboundlessbody.com. That's myboundlessbody.com. You will see an option to book a complimentary 30-minute consultation with us so that we can discuss your goals with health and fitness and maybe help you create a plan for the new year. Bethany, my wife, also offers uh, virtual mat Pilates classes, which are absolutely amazing. They're very engaging and also very, very affordable. Those can be done live on Mondays and Fridays or also given out as a recording to do at your own convenience. We also offer training and meal planning services that are also done virtually from the safety of your own home. So if you want to avoid the busyness of a gym, we can help show you how to get really fantastic results at home with a very minimal amount of equipment. We've been doing it now for two years. We've gotten pretty good at it. So we are happy to show you that. Once again, that website is myboundlessbody.com. And if you are enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple. It really helps um, get this passion project out to more people. So cheers to 2022. And thank you again for listening to Boundless Body Radio.